This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. What is the world like today for the people who are frequently shocked, challenged and been at the forefront of changes that many see as outrageous? Are the rainbow people still changing their world for the better? I'm Malcolm Angus. Welcome to Outrageous, the program that investigates, supports and advocates for the rainbow people of New Zealand. Good day, listeners, once again. This is Malcolm Angus, and I have a great guest in the studio today. Her name is Megan, and I have no idea, and I don't think she represents the rainbow community at all. However, what she does represent is incredibly important. I met Megan down at the farmer's market a while ago, and she had a bucket in her hand, and she was collecting money. And so I stopped and talked to her and said, what's this about? And she told me, and I thought, this needs uh, a, a wider audience if I can provide it. So I've invited Megan to come on the show and talk about what she does and why she does it and how she got into doing it. Welcome, Megan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, you may like to um, explain more about yourself, um, what you came to be doing uh, down at the farmer's market that day, Mm -hmm. um, the background that you have that maybe has propelled you into the sort of work you're doing. Uh, Are you a New Zealand-born person? Because lots of the people who come on the show aren't. Yes. You are? Yes, I am. A local? Uh, Originally from Balclutha. My my mum was a New Zealander and my dad um, was from Northern Ireland. Right. So that's that's, um, only two generations away. You've got family in Northern Ireland. Yes, we have. Yes. Excellent. Um, So... I, I wanted to allow you to find time on this radio show to talk about what you were doing in the car park down at the mm-hmm. farmer's market on the Saturday that we met. So maybe you could start with that. Uh, so with the farmer's market, uh, there's a, a group of individuals of ex-Cabri workers, um, and we created a little team called Project Hope and Beyond um, because... We're, we worked at Cadbury's a number of us many, many years and we went through the redundancy process. Um, I worked there 17 years and um, after the redundancy, um, we didn't realise how hard it was really going to hit us and it really broke us and it left a lot of us really struggling with mental health issues. Can I just pause there? How many people worked at Cadbury's when when it closed down? Uh, so when they made the initial announcement with the factory, there was 360 in the mm-hmm. factory. Um, and then with the Cabri World being announced as well that it was going to close um, um, not that long afterwards, uh, there was another 40 there. So uh, 400 all up. Mm-hmm. But the effect on the community was huge because there were so many contractors and other businesses that were connected to that factory, and they were all affected as well. They had, you know, massive loss of um, business and income because of it. And how long had you been working there for? Um, I was there 17 years. Um, My partner, he also worked there. He was there 37 years. Um, Right. Okay, so suddenly you find that the job you've been doing for so long and 
like most of us, um, I once worked for Qantas, and uh, I luckily wasn't working for Qantas when it decided to close down. Um, <laughs> but these are, the, these are the unexpected things that yeah. come along that we don't plan for. Um, so you and many of your work colleagues suddenly found you were out of work, mm-hmm. hard to find new work? Uh, for, for some of us, um, no. I think I think a lot of the staff were able to find work, but the really hard thing was the, the culture inside that factory was really something special. Tell it, me about it. It was, and it was very diverse. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, I did a wee um, mental health speech at the Otago Polytechnic, and one of the um, gentlemen there that connected with me said to me, uh, "He said, you know, your community at Cabarets. It was so diverse. It was probably one of the most diverse cultures in all of Otago." Tell me about the diversity. Was this because it had um, employed? Immigrants, perhaps new yes. immigrants. Yes, we have. Yep. We, yes, definitely. Um, we also had a, a, a range of age. Mm-hmm. So we had young people coming out of school. We had sixty-three-year-olds. You know, quite a range in age. Um, a huge range in culture, inside an ethnicity background. Mm-hmm. Huge range in culture that was mm-hmm. inside the building. And we even had people that worked inside the factory um, back in the Cabaret's days, before Mondelez came along, who had um, learning difficulties. Right, so people with intellectual disabilities were also employed by them. Now, tell me, is this something to do with the Cadbury's English historical background? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with that whole culture from the whole Bourneville and it was really a family... They, didn't they create a village? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Did you know much about that? Uh, we knew we knew a little bit about it. Um, uh, yes, we've got some photos at home that my partner um, has got of the old Bourneville factory, and there's photographs there of a community. Like they built houses for the people that a- worked and in parks. And, yes, and they provide. Did they provide medical care? Yes, as well? they did, and they had like their own special social club. It was like a pub, and they um, had meals for the staff, and there was tennis courts and all sorts of things. Yeah, and this was almost a social experiment, wasn't it? Almost, yeah, yes. pretty much was, yeah. <laughs> and of course, in the Dunedin factory, we already had a culture growing with Hudsons. And, of course, then when you added that Cabri mix into it, um, it just grew stronger and stronger. Um, it become, because of that diversity, you had growth and you ha- it created a community and it created a family. And that's what was so special about the, about the whole place. And you, you t- I, only this morning I met with one of the... I was going to an appointment and I met a Cabri staff member on the street and um, hadn't seen them for like years but they were like yeah they were like we you miss the place you miss that culture Mm. that was inside Mm. the place so it was a community within Mm. a community yes it was and it had um, do you think values that other businesses have never had definitely yep community values social values yes um Values that meant that, that that diversity that you encountered was almost natural for that organisation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I also describe it like for for myself, it was the first place that I could go, and I could just be myself without being judged. Mm-hmm. 
So it was a really special place. So somebody like me, who yes. comes from the LGBTI community, yes. would have been welcome yes. there as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's for me. That that clarifies a lot about the feelings that you expressed at the beginning of mm. our talk about how the loss of this workplace wasn't just loss of employment. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't loss of a wage. Yep. It was far greater than It was, it was much that. more, yeah. 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 So having gone through that grieving, mm -hmm. which you obviously have gone through, <laughs> yes. um, tell me about how you've now restructured your life and your social life and how your values that that you acquired perhaps from working within that organisation yeah. have now pushed you on to what you're doing. Yeah, gosh, so like after I was made redundant, I, and not just myself, the other staff members, a lot of them as well, struggled with the mental health side mm. of it. So I struggled with depression and anxiety. Um, and I made the decision to start my own business, and so I did. So I started that little business, which was a little fashion business called Notion, Notion Fashion. Um, but I did really struggle because it was was it felt like at Cabris you were inside this bubble, and then when the when you got made redundant, the bubble burst, and you went out there, and then oh the, gosh, the other world is is. Hugely competitive. Yeah, a lot of a lot of bullying. Yep. Yeah, and a lot of discrimination. Yes. Even towards cabri workers. Why? Um. I I don't know whether there's a bit of jealousy there. I'm not sure. Um, was this discrimination in terms of trying to get reemployed? Um. Or was this social discrimination more social really yeah so like there was an example um i can give an example of where i worked um myself and another employee we were both cabaret's females and um yeah we were excluded from workplace activities we weren't included in them so um. that, that sounds extraordinary and and possibly now is the time to use the term outrageous yeah it was, it was <laughs> outrageous I, my partner has some very colourful words for the way that we were treated. Well, we can use some colourful yeah. words, otherwise we have to edit madly at the end of the show. Um, but I don't mind you using them, Yeah. but sometimes then there's a little beep. Yeah, my, my partner describes it. He has some very colourful words the yes. way that we were both treated, and yep. I, I call it discrimination yep. because I don't think it was fair the way we were treated. You know, when you when people are you, you go to a cafe in the morning and then there's all these people from your workplace sitting in there having coffee and they never invite you to go there and the other the other cabri member that was a female mm -hmm. and then um, that that sounds just weird to me. It was nasty. Some of the stuff that's happened it was nasty. Why why was Cadbury's seen? In that light, do you think, in the rest of the community? What what had gone on that it um, would be? I don't know. Well, did, did people assume that Cadbury's maybe had a sort of religious... <laughs> Mostly um, they did. <laughs> um, it's it? quite an interesting topic to talk about, and it's, I'm, I'm so grateful and thank you to you for having this, you know, the, the braveness to talk about it, because you kind of feel like 
there's a few people out there that's scared in the media to actually have a conversation about this. Well, I'm astounded. It seems like it should actually be a university study. <laughs> um, and if somebody is listening out there that thinks that this would make an amazing um, thesis about how a, a whole population from a particular business found itself suddenly... Uh, out in the community and outed in a strange way that uh, they were somehow not accepted um, as they moved back into the community seeking work, seeking um, social interaction that they had lost from their company. And you've experienced this. It it was like in Cadbury's, we had a lot of laughs, Mm -hmm. a lot of laughter. Oh, Mm. my gosh. um, They did the bittersweet production. Um, which was the theatre... I've only been here for three and a half years in New Zealand, okay. so I'm not up to date with I, all the things that you're talking about. Okay, so they, they, there was a wee production a few months, uh, about a month ago, um, in the um, in one of the museums put on um, about Cabris, and it was called Bittersweet. One of the things I talked about in that, um, as one of the storytellers, I talked about going back into the building in 2019... Um, after the redundancy and after she was shut down. And honestly, that day, I was worried about walking back in and the emotion. But when I walked back in, I could feel the laughter coming out of the walls in the building. And it was like... So you had fun. <laughs> oh, so much fun. Yes. Like, And that's one of the hard bits, going into businesses where you're not allowed to even talk you're not allowed to even sit down on a chair. You've been told off. No, you're not allowed to sit down on a chair. You've been watched on cameras. You're not allowed to even have a laugh. Like in one business, our laughter was shut down because, oh, no, no, it wasn't okay for us to have a laugh. They were probably worried about what you found funny. Um <laughs> They may have thought that you were observing other people's behaviour and that became hysterical for you, uh, particularly if it was management's behaviour. I I sympathise with you because my own work experience has always been, if you like, and I'll use the word, take the piss. Um, You know, because this is what I find makes workplace inhabitable oh. that you can laugh you can have a joke yeah. you can see something absurd and you can talk about it and it seems to me that it was a very safe mentally healthy mm-hmm. workplace that you had found for yourself and yes. the other people the other 400 mm-hmm. 500 whatever it was had found for themselves and it sounds as though it might have been unique yeah it was a very very special place we we you feel now you you feel grateful for having the opportunity yeah. and you feel like we're never going to have almost that back again um and that's the really that's one of the saddest things about it yeah hmm. i know that um in in the times that i've worked i do and i've risen to the top and become chief executive and things. But to me, having fun was essential. Oh, absolutely. Having fun every day with the staff was essential. And if it meant that I had to send myself up Mm -hmm. um, so that they relaxed and stopped feeling that there was a power imbalance, it was essential for the good health of everybody, including myself. Yes. Um, So, all right, so now you've left the Mm organisation, you've tried to start a new business. I take it that wasn't 
easy oh. and perhaps it didn't work? Uh, still working. Still working. Yeah, still, okay. still, still going on. So um, tell me more about that. This is your chance to advertise it. Yeah, so it's called Notion Fashion. So we started a little fashion boutique um, and the concept of Notion being, Notion being a concept was to support emerging designer fashion. And where is it? Uh, we have a little concert room in Muscleborough Rise, and that's where I live. So I based it. Not far from me. Yeah, so I based it in Muscleborough, where yeah. I live. Um, and uh, we, um, I'm opening on Fridays and Saturdays at the moment because I do work another job as well. Do you do it from your home? Yes, I do, and okay. I have an online platform. So right, you Notion. Can, so you can find me at um, notionfashion.co.nz. Yep. yep. And tell me, what is it that you? What is your product? Uh, so the products we have, we support emerging designer fashion, but we support it all over New Zealand. So designers from Auckland right down to the bottom of the South Island. And how do you support it? So we um, support it by bringing the designers in and showcase them across our platform. And we also do a lot of blogs on them. We showcase them on social media. We even pull in emerging designers from the Otago Polytechnic as well and do shout-outs yep, for them as well. because they, they get a bit of publicity. Yeah. They had some recently. Yeah, and we, know, we understand how how hard it is to start at the bottom mm. especially in the fashion industry oh my gosh what a totally different industry to the chocolate industry <laughs> it's a complete contrast um but you know we love supporting those at the bottom because we understand what it's like to be at the bottom mm. and they also are so incredibly sustainable uh they don't mass produce mm-hmm. And their garments are predominantly made in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And, and, cred- and also, what a lot of people may not know about emerging design, when they think fashion design, they think, oh, you know, New Zealand fashion designer might be quite expensive, but the emerging designer is priced less, it's actually more competitive when it comes to price. And you're getting really excellent quality. So you're getting haute couture yeah. um, clothing that is a one-off perhaps. Yes, yep. very unique clothing. Yep. 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 So it's very special. Now, we've got about eight minutes to go. Yes. And I want you to come back next week. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, and continue with this conversation because we haven't got on to what no, you're actually doing at the car park. But come on, let's keep talking about your business. Yes. Now... Um, how many people are helping you with it? Uh, myself. <laughs> my, yeah, my hey, where did you learn to do this? Um, where did I learn? I, yeah, it was very hard because I was, I found it very hard probably too because I had the depression. So it was, I had to reach out for a lot of help because. And how did you get that? So I reached out to to help me with my business, I've reached out to areas um, all over New Zealand, not just here in Dunedin. I also reached out to areas up in Auckland as well. So there are some people that you connect with. You'll get the right connection with them. And then if you people that get you, you connect with them, right? And then stick with those people because they're the people that are going to keep you lifted through all of this, especially when it's tough. Um, so I connected, one of the biggest friends I connected with was a lady called Natalie up in Auckland. And um, so she, you know, directed me in the way of going to the regional business partners and getting support from them and, and all sorts of things. And she was the lady who even took me on to do a podcast about the Cadbury's as well up in Auckland. So she was fantastic support. Um, but, 
Yeah, it is tough. It is tough starting a business. It sure is. I yeah. used to be a small business advisor for the New South Wales government in, mm. in Australia. And we were a free service. And we, we, we served uh, anyone who came in with an idea right through to somebody who had an established business and was having difficulty right through to somebody who'd gone bankrupt. So we, mm. we looked after the population who were all um, involved or trying to get involved in mm-hmm. creating small business enterprises. Mm-hmm. And it is tough. Mm. It is extremely tough. And uh, you, can, you have to learn a lot on the fly. And you can't be everything to a business. You can't be marketing, finance, mm. sales. Yes. You, know, um, you have particular skills and, and your own personality yes. that you bring to certain parts of a business. And yes. those will be better than yes. some and others. You learn what you're good at. Yes. And what you're good at, you focus on. Yes. So for me, I found that I was quite good at being the creative side. That's where I probably fle- have yep. the biggest flair. Yep. Um, so that's where I try and put as much of my energy into that whole creative mm. side. And like you can do that with your social media. Mm. You can make it different and you can put your own personality on it. The funny thing was, like, from Cadbury's, I didn't even have any social media when I was in the building. I didn't have any Facebook. I didn't have any Instagram. I did nothing. You probably didn't need it. No, we didn't need it. No. <laughs> Which, again, is a very interesting little side discussion that I think we could be having about what does social media actually fill as a gap in people's lives that you didn't need to fill yeah, when you were at Cadbury's. We've still got staff that don't do social media yep. from Cadbury's. Yep. They didn't need it because they had that family connection on the floor. Yes. They did not need social media. No. Yeah. That's how strong it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, Art 26 Minutes has like zoomed <laughs> along. It's really zoomed <laughs> along. And I'm so pleased you're going to come back for the second interview, which yes. is really what I thought we'd be talking about <laughs> but I knew there was more in you yes, than more. <laughs> just talking about holding a bucket at the car park down at the farmer's market yes. um, my guest today is Megan Megan just again say who you are what you do before I sign off on this program and then we'll be back again for the next program so say farewell to the listeners at this moment just sign off as who you are mm-hmm. what you're doing in terms of your business and we'll be back to talk about that other stuff you were doing uh, so thank you thank you to all the listeners for listening in um, my name is Megan Feely and I am a ex-cabri worker and a business owner um, I own notionfashion.co.nz and I believe next time we're Sorry, sorry. I've been waving my hands at Megan, just trying to get her to come closer to the microphone because she's slowly drifting across the room, <laughs> fading away, and it didn't work. I was waving at her, and and, and obviously my hand language was completely in, in, incapable of, of convincing her about what to do. So I have to ask you, Megan, could you move a little closer I to the microphone? Thank closer. you. <laughs> sorry, I interrupted your farewell. So just please fi- finish it. Uh yeah, so I'm, my name's Megan Feely, and thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, I'm the owner of notionfashion.co.nz, and I believe next time we're going to have a conversation about our Project Hope and Beyond team. We are. Wonderful. That's it, listeners, from Outrageous today, and we have discovered something outrageous, which is fantastic, which is what this program is about, and that is the way Cadbury workers were treated 
once the, that business had closed down, were treated in the community. And it does seem that in some ways that treatment was outrageous. That's it today from Malcolm Angus signing off on OAR 105.4 FM. Thank you so much for listening and please listen again when Megan is back on the air with me. If this program has raised issues and made you worry about your or someone else's mental health, here are some ways to get help. The best person to talk to is your GP or local mental health provider. However, if you or someone else is in danger or endangering others, call 111. If you need to talk to someone, the following free helplines operate 24-7. 1737 need to talk? Call or text 1737. Lifeline 0800 543 354 Youthline 0800 3766 33 or text 234 between 8am or midnight. Depression Helpline 0800 111 757 Samaritans 0800 72 This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.